So Jesus um, <clears throat> said a phrase that I'm really grateful that he said. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And the truth is, much of it, not all of it, but much of the trouble that we experience in this world has come from the hands of another person. And much of the trouble in this world has come from our own hands. We hurt each other. And the only way not to get hurt by another human being, and the only way to never hurt anybody else is to live in isolation. That's the only way that you cannot have trouble in this world with people. And we know about isolation. If anybody is, doesn't live in community, they'll eventually go crazy, you'll die. So God has created us for relationship, and yet it's those very relationships that cause most of the trouble in our life. Sometimes we're hurt accidentally, like this story, by another person. Sometimes we hurt people accidentally. It doesn't matter. The loss is still real. The pain is still real, even if the hurt is done accidentally. Sometimes we're willfully hurt by another person. Some, we'll call that abuse, usually. And some of us in this room, probably most of us, at some point, have willfully hurt another person. And obviously, there's pain and loss in those situations. I, I, I actually think most of the time, we're actually hurt by people who are just hurt. And I know in my life, most of the time, when I've hurt somebody else, it's because of my own hurts. I'm human, and so I'm messed up, and so are you. That, that, that was probably the main lesson I remember telling my children when they were in elementary school, right? Because they're being treated horribly on the playground and being rejected and being bullied, and we just need to know that hurt people hurt people. But guess what? And when that happens, there's loss. And when that happens, there's pain. Now, what's interesting is if we're going to follow Jesus, okay, and that's what we're all about here. If you're visiting with us, I'm Dave Nelson, pastor here. If you're visiting with us, our mission is to invite you into this adventure of following Christ because he's life. And I think he's the one, as I hopefully will show today, that can give us life in the midst of all this trouble. But if you are a follower of Christ, our mission is to equip you. So my, my goal today is to equip us, to teach us right from God's word, right from Jesus, how you and I can actually live in a world of trouble with broken, hurting people and actually forgive so that we can be free. Now, what's interesting, if you follow Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're the one who hurt somebody or if you've been hurt. He, he simply says, it's always your move. <laughs> it's always your move. So in Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says, when you stand praying, and if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father may forgive your sins. So if you're trying to engage with God, if you're in here at church, and you have something against somebody else, the first thing he says, you got to forgive them. You got to go. Make the move so that your father will forgive you. But then in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. Isn't this interesting? In both these situations, God, Jesus is saying, if you're trying to engage with God, 
and you can't forgive somebody, then you got to go make it right and then engage with God. And if you're trying to engage with God and you're at the altar and there you remember, man, somebody has something against me, leave the altar, go, get reconciled to the person. And then, so somehow, if you and I are going to have the fullness of connection here, it actually depends on how we're doing here. So today, we're going to talk about when you need to forgive. Next week, we're going to talk about when you need to be forgiven. But today, we're going to talk about when you actually need to forgive somebody. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. By the way, that's the chapter we're going to be in. If you want to grab your Bibles, it's Matthew 18. Get on, you can get our, grab our app. It has all my notes or the, obviously the printed notes are in your program. Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Like seven? Right? And Jesus' answer is, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So basically, you, got, you just need a little bit bigger journal that you keep with you, right? And keep count, keep track. And ten, once you get to 77, baby, you're done. So just do it quick, right? I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. I'm going to hurry up and get done with this so I don't have to forgive you anymore. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. What's he saying? Forgiveness isn't something you ever stop doing. You don't ever stop. So here's my phrase for today. Forgiven people, forgive. That's your first blank in your program. The truth is, forgiven people, forgive. And again, it doesn't minimize the reality of the pain and loss. Sin and brokenness cause those. So I'm just going to pray for you because I know some of you in this room, like you do, man, you, you, some of you have been so hurt. The pain is real. There was a gal who came up to me after the first service and she said, Dave, I have been trying and I can't forgive the guy who killed my brother. I can't do it. She goes, I pray for him. I think that's one of the things I'm supposed to do. Is I, I, I'm like, that's amazing that you're praying for him. She's like, I don't want to live like this, but her wound is deep. And some of you have deep wounds like that, whether it was abuse in your background or rejection. And some of you have been hurt by somebody, and you might even be going, but this shouldn't bother me as bad as it does, but it does. You lost something. And you need, and I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. I'm not, okay, I mean, Jesus really loves you. And he does not want you to have to live with that heaviness and with that burden and with that anger and with that bitterness the rest of your life. That's why, partly why he came. Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to get hurt, and you're going to get wounded, and you're going to fall into a prison of angerness and lack of forgiveness. And Jesus wants to set us free today. All right? So before I jump in, I just want to pray for all of you. Let's just pray. And as I pray, if you're one of those people who you know right now, you have people in their life, your life you can't forgive, then just, man, maybe just hold your arms out like this while I pray and just say, God, please help me. I can't do this. Lord, Thank you for this message today. Thank you that you want us to be free today. Thank you, God, that you are not unaware of the pain and the suffering that's in this room, whether it was done accidentally or whether it was done willfully or whether it was just done because somebody was so hurt in their own person they hurt us. You know. And I'm just asking, God, out of your grace and your mercy and your strength, and your power to forgive us, that you'd empower us to forgive. 
And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Matthew 18, he just tells Peter that he's got to forgive 77 times, and then he tells this story, okay? And this is what I'm going to teach from here today. Uh, Verse 23, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, for us to understand that, scholars have said this, basically all it means is way more money than you could ever repay. Tim Keller, who, by the way, I got, he is a genius. He is such a great teacher. If you want a great podcast, Tim Keller, Redeemer Church, amazing guy. So research a lot of the, got to give him credit for this message with a lot of the insights for today. But in his message, it's literally tens to hundreds of billions of dollars. Okay, so when Jesus is given this illustration, he's literally saying this guy owed him something he could never, ever repay. Okay, that's super important. So that man was brought to him, and since he was not able to pay, there it is, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. (laughs) So that's an interesting nuance. I'm going to pay back billions and billions of dollars. No, you're not. So this guy's already disillusioned, right, with what he's done or what he's going to do. The servant's master took pity on him or had compassion on him, and he canceled the debt and he let him go. Billions of dollars of debt. And he just cancels it. But when that servant went out, so he's like, can you imagine? I mean, woo! Well, you are free! And this servant goes out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. 100 silver coins is about one day's work. One day's work. Versus billions of dollars. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. And he said, pay back what you owe me. He demanded, right after having his huge debt forgiven. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, same thing, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and they told the master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in And then he said this, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Now listen, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Now, here's the first thing we're going to talk about. If you look at, grab your, grab your outline, grab your blanks. We're going to talk about why it is crucial that you forgive. Okay, so we're going to go back to the end of the story, and let's just unpack that. The master called a servant in, right, says you're a wicked servant. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how God will treat each of us unless we forgive. 
So, here's the first thing. When you read this, you just go, okay, hold on. Like an unforgiving heart apparently leads to some sort of eternal punishment. So you gotta, you have to, now you have to take this and go, okay, how does this fall in line with everything else here? I hear about Jesus and I hear about his gospel and the forgiveness, okay? Because we know this. We know we are not saved by our works, okay? So that means you have to ask the question, so do you go to hell just because you don't forgive somebody? No, because you can flip that around. Do you get to go to heaven when you forgive somebody? No. <laughs> Forgiveness, forgiving someone or not forgiving someone is not get you into heaven or send you to hell. And so if you could, by the way, if you could get to heaven by forgiving people, then Jesus didn't even need to come. <laughs> Why did he have to come if you just, God's up, he goes, hey, just forgive people and you get in. That's not how it works, okay? So we know that's not what he's saying. So what is he saying? I think what Jesus is saying here is how you handle the sins done against you reveals the reality of your heart. That's what's happening here. If you don't open your heart in mercy to another person, it actually is showing that you really have not opened your heart to God's mercy on your own heart. One of the illustrations that Keller gave as I was studying his stuff is he said, it's like an apple tree. You have two apple trees. You got one over here that's producing apples, and then you have the other tree over here, and there's no fruit coming off it at all. So what you know is from this tree, it's like, okay, this is a healthy tree because it's producing apples. This one's not healthy. It's not producing apples. But what's interesting is the apples don't actually give any life to the tree. They just prove that there's life inside the tree. <laughs> See what I'm saying here? So when you forgive someone, it doesn't give you eternal life. It shows that you have eternal life. And so if you don't have fruit on your tree, it's showing that there's not life in the tree. And that's when Jesus tells the story. It's like if you are holding grudges against someone else, then there's actually a problem in here, and you can know that. He's saying there's actually no better way to tell if you actually have a relationship with God that's based on grace than whether you forgive another person when they have done something to you. And then he says this, because when you don't forgive... You are handed over to a jailer to be tortured. <laughs> that sounds harsh. But again, I think what he's saying is your reality, if you are someone who holds anger and bitterness in your heart towards someone else, guess what? You are in a prison. And you are being tortured. And that's what I sense with this gal I was praying with after the first service. She's being tortured. There's no freedom. There's no peace. There's no joy. She just has anger and bitterness and rage. She's being tortured, and she doesn't want to be. So when you stay angry at someone, okay, now that is an extreme case, but right now, if you're angry at someone and you refuse to forgive, you know what's interesting? What that does to us is it actually makes us feel righteous, Look at you, what you did, look what that person did. And you're better than them. 
You, it makes you feel so wronged. And now it's self-pity, and now it's self-centered. You can't, that's what happens. You are stuck in the self. And what Keller said that was so amazing to me, he said, you are actually, this is so harsh, and I'm like, wow. He said, but you are actually becoming more like Satan than you are becoming more like Jesus. <laughs> Your prison, when you can't forgive somebody, causes you to be so self-focused. And that eventually will kill you. And Jesus, I just want to tell you, if that's you today, God is ready to say, listen, I can empower you to set you free from that. But if you believe in the gospel of grace, if you realize Jesus Christ saved me from tens of billions of sins. Anybody want to try to count all the time you've sinned against God? When you realize that, you realize my whole life is nothing but grace. And so, if you believe that, but at the very least, when you're holding it against somebody else, you are saying at the very least, I'm blocking that effect from my own heart. If you can't forgive somebody, you're blocking the effect of God's forgiveness to you from being able to flow to another person or you actually don't truly believe it at all. When you're not forgiving, you're in a prison, and self-centeredness grows when you stay angry at someone, because now you're saying, you owe me, you owe me, you're liable to me, you owe me this. Frederick Beekner says this, anger is the most fun, licking your wounds and smacking your lips to savor the last morsel of the pain you are giving back to them, and like a feast fit for a king, and then you find out what you are eating at the feast is you. Anger will always destroy you, and God wants to set you free. It is a life or death issue, our forgiveness. It's crucial, okay? So now let's talk about how are we going to do this. How do we do this? And Jesus teaches us how to do this in the story. So grab your program, write this down. Can I just, can I just say this to you, by the way? If you're sitting here, and really today you're like, man, I... I'm actually pretty good, you know? I don't know if there's anybody that I'm super angry at or haven't forgiven. Here's what I know. How many of you know someone who is in that boat? If you're in human relationship, you have someone you care about who can't forgive, then get ready, write this stuff down, and be a disciple maker. Help someone else if you feel like you're already good in this and prepare yourself, okay? So let's do this. How do we forgive, all right? I'm just going to, if you could, on the, on the passage of Scripture, I'm just going to, going to go right to verse 27, because I've already read this. When the guy was brought to the king, and he couldn't pay back the debt, verse 27, it says, the servant's master had compassion for him, he canceled the debt, and he let him go. All right? So that's where we're going to go. The first way, how do you forgive? Number one, with compassion. You need to forgive with compassion. And this is tough because what God is saying is you actually have to have compassion toward the person who wronged you. That's what this king did. Now, here's the definition of compassion. It means it, it actually was a, 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 a term that was like at the deepest core of your gut. You would be moved down there. But really what it means is to have your heart go out to somebody else. When you have compassion towards someone, your heart actually goes out to them. You actually 
can identify with them. That's what empathy is. That's what compassion is. You feel what they feel. So the first thing Jesus says is, if you're going to be able to forgive somebody, you actually have to feel what they feel. So that means some hard work inside. Because what you have to do is you have to realize how much you actually have in common with the other person. Now, naturally... (laughs) Naturally, what we do is we accentuate the difference. I would never do that. And maybe you never would. But you do this. But we like it. When we see what somebody has done something wrong, we accentuate it. And we make it huge. And this was one of the most amazing things that Keller said. You stay bitter towards someone, if you're still bitter, because you're characterizing them. So just real quick, if you could just raise your hand on this one for me, actually. How many of you, you know, you were at the fair or you were down on a street somewhere and there was a cartoonist. How many of you have ever had someone actually do a cartoon of you? Okay, okay, a decent number of you. When a person does a characterization or a cartoon of you, what do they do? (laughs) They never make you exactly as you are. If your nose is a little little big, the cartoon is like... You know, if they're looking at your ears, they do something. If it's Jay Leno, the jaw's out to here, right? They, they actually characterize you. And what Keller was saying, that, which I thought was so, so amazing, is when you're bitter towards someone, that's what you're doing. You're actually characterizing them. You're taking one thing about them, and you're making it huge. So someone could, some, could, someone could, some, 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 some. Now I'm speaking in tongues. Does anybody have an interpretation? Okay, all right. So someone says to you, uh, do you uh, someone lies to you. I'm sorry. So someone lies to you. Okay? And then they ask you, well, well why? And your answer is, because they're a liar. You, you, they're a liar. You accentuate it because they lied to you. And then the person says to you, well, do you lie? It's like, yes. Did you lie right there? Yeah. Why did you lie? Well, it's complicated. You know, and we say, I shouldn't have, but there's this situation and here's this and it, it, I, there's all these reasons. See, what we do is no one would come to you and say, why do you lie? And you go, well, because I'm a liar, right? <laughs> you would never answer that way. And yet, when you're hurt, you look at another person who lied to you and you go, you're a liar. You accentuate this one thing that actually happened. The other person, they're a liar. I was at a, uh, uh, we, I'm on the board for an organization that we started, Dave Elsog, who was on staff here for years, and he's directing now Loving Utah. It's a, it's, a, it's a ministry that we do to help church planners when they move in town. We had Darren Patrick in, and Darren is actually a nationally known leader in the church planning world. He started a church in St. Louis. It just blew up. He had campuses everywhere. He's vice president of all these organizations. I can't, I can't get into all the story, but eventually, through different behaviors of his, his board actually had to fire him from his job. And he was out of ministry for two years. But what's amazing is he actually has repented of that, turned around, and now he's trying to help other people in ministry, don't do what I did. Here's one of the things he said that was so interesting to me. He said, we always characterize people as righteous or unrighteous. (laughs) Right or wrong. And as he went through this, he just realized there's a whole other section and that's wounds. He goes, we, we are, again, hurt people, hurt people. Almost, there's not a human on this planet who hasn't been hurt. And there are wounds inside. And sometimes you have 
with these wounds. They are broken places that you need to repent from, but sometimes those wounds are tender places that need healing. Hurt people hurt me. So we go, you hurt me. And I think what Jesus is saying is, yes, they did. But what did the king do in the story? He had compassion. And he said, you must be really hurt. See, none of us feel that way. We get hurt and we're like, wham! And we protect ourselves. But God is saying, if you're going to be able to forgive that person, you need to have compassion. You need to get past what they did and you need to find out what's the actual root of their heart. Now you could say, okay, well maybe he was wounded and we just, let's just throw that out there. But that was sin! Yes, they sinned against you. And then you just have to stop and go, have you sinned against anybody? They're a sinner! And so are you. Billions of sins against God. Don't forget that part. And so we, we, just, we like to characterize other people. Now listen to this. You can only stay angry at someone if you actually continue to think you're superior to them. If you're bitter towards another person, and you have been for a long time, it's because you think you're better than they are. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're ever going to be able to really forgive that person who hurts you badly, you have to have compassion for them. You have to be able to identify as broken and wounded and hurt and a sinner, just like they're broken and wounded and hurt as a sinner. Marisla Voff says this, forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the communion of humanity, and I exclude myself from the communion of sinners. If you can't forgive, somehow you're forgetting the person who hurts you as a human, and somehow you're forgetting that you are a sinner. So number one, when you forgive, you must do it with compassion. The second thing this king does, he has compassion on him, pity on him, and then the second thing he does is he cancels the debt. Number two, you got to cancel the debt. And this actually is the heart of what it means to forgive. Forgiveness is when you pay the debt instead of making the other person pay. Right? I mean, this king forgave billions of dollars of debt. But that doesn't mean that everything was fine. That means he incurred it. So um, years ago, back at our old location on 2100 South, it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon, kind of like yesterday. And uh, Susie and I were walking out with our three kids and we walked across the street. Our car was parked in the parking lot across the street. And one of our really good friends was there, and he was getting ready to leave. And we're like, hey, man, thank you so much for serving today. Have a great day. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he's backing up, and he goes, boom, boom. And he ran right into our van. <laughs> we're just watching this like, dude. And this was a big van. This was a big truck. So, I mean, he totally destroyed our, our side door, you know, the ones that's supposed to open up to let your kids in. And so... <laughs> So he's feeling horrible. He's like, I am so sorry. He's on his knees begging, right? And I'm like, dude, it's okay, man. Just get the insurance. You know, we'll call your insurance company and everything. We'll take care of it. It's no big deal. We don't have insurance. Like I said, it's no big deal. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll just... What, what, so what happens in that moment? He, we knew their financial situation, and we knew there was no way they could actually fix our car. So what did we do? We forgave him 
and he didn't have to pay to fix it. So who did? Who paid for it? I did. See, when you forgive someone a debt, you end up paying it. Now, that's really easy to understand financially. But what does this mean when you forgive someone's debt who hurts you in your soul? Because here's the reality. When someone wrongs you, there is always a loss. This is not a small thing. You, some of you, you lost your reputation. Some of you lost an opportunity. Some of you lost your security. You have spent the rest of your life in fear and anxiety because of what someone has done to you. So whenever you are wronged, there is a loss. And you feel it, and it's painful. And that's why we say, you owe me. <laughs> you got to fix this. You hurt me deeply. It's true. So we have two options when that person rams into your soul and you lose it. Number one, you make them pay. Now, how do we do that emotionally? Well, we hurt them back. You can hurt them back. You can say certain things. You can be cold to them. You can, you can withdraw your relationship. You can slander them. When you're, when you're talking with other people, you can say negative things about them, right? You hurt them. And sometimes you just do it internally, sometimes because you know you're a good Christian. So what you do is you act like you're okay, but inside your heart, man, you are just wishing that they'd fall, that something would happen, that they'd experience. You want them to hurt like you hurt. And what's weird is we feel like if they suffer enough, somehow that feels like they've, been, they've paid. They've paid for that. But the reality is it puts you in the prison. And you're living your life angry and bitter. And it makes you more like Satan than it actually makes you like Jesus who forgave the world of all their sin. So either you make them pay or you pay it. This is forgiveness. Well, what do you mean? How do I make the payment instead of making them pay? Well, when you want to hurt them, you refuse to do it. When you want to slander them, the conversation's going on and the opportunity's there. Somebody says, hey, I heard about this. What happened? You don't slander them. You refuse to do it. And when your mind wants to replay the situation and you want to just make them and, and dream about it and scheme about it, and, and no, you just you go no and you refuse to do it. Now, what does that do? If you actually refuse to hurt the other person, what does it do? I love what Keller said. He basically, it cuts off the oxygen to your anger. If you feed it like that, the oxygen comes in and it just, the rage, you feed the rage. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Why does it feel so good to say negative things about people who hurt us. It feels good. Why does it, say, why does it feel good to have a cutting remark back to them or be cold to them? It feels good because it's feeding your anger and it's feeding your self-righteousness. You are actually feeding, I'm better than you are. But when you refuse to do that, it cuts off the oxygen. And what's amazing, you guys, is bit by bit, every time you do that, eventually you can get to the point 
where your heart gets softer instead of harder. This is not a quick fix, man. But when you do that, all of a sudden, your heart softens instead of hardens. You know, the Bible's very clear. You have to actually forgive. You actually have to do the forgiveness before you feel like you actually forgive them. But the feelings can come if you will actually cancel the debt. So what's the result? Your heart softens instead of hardens. And number two, you actually escape the prison. And you go, God, that would hurt so much. And it's like, yes, guess, guess what? So, forgiveness hurts. You are incurring the pain. It's one of the ways that you share in the sufferings of Christ. You suffer when you forgive someone. Jesus suffered, you guys, to forgive us. He identified with us. He did the payment, and it cost him his life. So what's cool is he knows the pain of forgiveness, but he also know, knew that it, there was going to be joy on the other side. And if you're going to be free, then you got to cancel the debt. All right, number three, and then you got to let them go. The king has compassion, cancels the debt, and then he lets him go. Now, what, what, this, what this is really all about is you say, man, this is really hard to do this because they did something really wrong. And it was. And in the story, billions of dollars of debt? Like, how did this person incur billions of dollars of debt? Either he was, it was just really poor mismanagement of the funds, or he was corrupt. Same thing. When somebody really hurts you, was it, was it because they're just hurt, wounded people? Was it just mismanagement of their soul? Or are they, were they corrupt? Was it just sinful and absolutely wanted to hurt you and destroy you? And he forgives. But then he sees this guy's heart. Right after he forgives him, the guy goes out, right? And he starts choking the other person. <laughs> and so we make the same judgment, you guys, toward each other. We do. We will say it's not enough for to give. They, they have a pattern. This person needs to be stopped for the sake of other people not getting hurt by this person, for the sake of the church, for the sake of God, for their own sake, we'll say. This person needs to be stopped. And, and you know what? And, and, and that very well can be the case. But let me just tell you this, man. If you say, I can't forgive this person because I need to seek justice, if justice is sought without actually forgiving them, you can say it's for other people's sake. You can say it's for their own sake. But the truth is, if you haven't forgiven them and you go after justice, because that's what you feel is right, then it's actually for your own sake. Because if it is for the other person, the only power that's going to set them free is your forgiveness. You and I want to incur vengeance instead of forgiveness. And we call it justice. But God made this super clear. What did he say? Vengeance is mine. Let them go, and I will take care of it. Here's what's hard. Sometimes the person that hurts you doesn't fall on their knees and ask for forgiveness. And then what do you do? Do you just offer to him anyways? I, Gary Chapman had this amazing stuff. I'm going to use some of his stuff next week. But he just said, the, the truth is, if someone hasn't asked you for forgiveness, then you can release them to 
God. Don't take God's role of being the judge of that person's soul. Let God do that. And if you release the person to God and let him do the vengeance, your heart can be set free. You've got to let them go. All right? So you've got to have compassion and identify yourself as a sinner along with the person who hurt you. You've got to cancel their debt. You've got to let them go. And then the last one is this. You've got to give what you have received. And I, I know for me personally, this is the most important thing. Colossians 3.13 says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. That is not a suggestion. That is not, hey, if you feel like it, no. That is a command from God to us. you got to bear with each other, you guys. And we got to forgive one another. <clears throat> but how does he say to do it? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's the key. In this story, how is Jesus saying you actually can forgive someone when they've forgiven you? You must remember the king's forgiveness of your debt. You have to remember that when God looked at you, and the Bible talks about his anger and his wrath, right, towards sin. And yet when God looked at us, he so loved us that he had compassion on us. We are saved by his mercy. So he identified with our sin, came in the flesh, walked with all the temptation and all the suffering and all the rejection. Oh my goodness, you guys, have you read Jesus' life? He was abused. He was rejected. He was spit upon. He was crucified on the cross and he'd never done anything wrong. And while he's on the cross, Father, forgive him. Right? So he has identified, and you must remember, if you're not in awe, by the way, if you, that's why we got to do Easter, it's Christmas, and why we have to do church on a regular basis and worship him is we have to remember the debt we owed him, and he forgave it all. Billions and billions of sins. So when another person sins against you, that's why he did this story. And he said, seriously? Seriously. <laughs> You're just going to shove off to the side as a small little thing what I did for you? I, gave, I died for you. I died for you. I had mercy on you, and now you're going to turn after receiving that and demand and choke someone because they hurt you. A broken, hurt, sinful human being hurt you. Just like you're broken and sinful and hurt. And so God is just saying, listen, y'all, remember what I've done. And that, when you receive that and you believe in that, then you can identify the one who has wronged you and say, man, I'm no different than you are. I would have probably not done what you did, but I've done plenty. And God has forgiven me, so I'm going to forgive you. And then you can cancel the debt. Can think about this for a second, you guys. Can you imagine right now, I don't know, how many of you, anybody in here have a mortgage? Can you imagine if you went home today and someone called you and said, hey, dude, I have completely paid off your mortgage. You are free. Woo! Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking, I don't know about you, my payment is a little more than $1,000 every month. And so if that was the case and somebody canceled that, you would be celebrating. 
But here's what's crazy. Not only would I be forgiven that debt, I'd have over $1,000 every month in my pocket. (laughs) And so if someone came to me and said, hey, dude, can you give me like 20 bucks? Yes! Are you kidding? I've had my debt forgiven. (laughs) See, and here's what we realize is God has forgiven all of your debt You never pay anything ever again. But not only that, the Bible says, and you have received every spiritual blessing in heaven is yours. See, that's what we can do, you guys. So God is just saying, I love you. I forgive you. You have all my grace. You have all my mercy. You have all my love. And now I have rose from the dead so I can live inside you. So that when another broken, sinful, hurt person hurts you, you can go, oh man, my pockets are loaded with forgiveness and mercy and grace. And I'm going to give you the same thing. And you know what would happen? We'd heal this world. Because people are so full of shame and so hurt and so, because they can't live it. And if you get loved when you don't deserve love, it changes you. And so God is saying, that's how my kingdom works. That's how Jesus started this whole thing. Here's the kingdom of God. And if he's your king and he's your Lord, then you know all your debt is forgiven. He has had compassion on you, and you give it to everybody else. All right? And I want to tell you, man, the only way we're going to stop choking each other and torturing ourselves is to have our heart constantly softened by the compassion and the forgiveness of Jesus. The power of the gospel will help you escape the prison that your anger wants to keep you in. And I'm telling you, he can free you. He can free you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one last song. I have been wanting to do this song for maybe 10 years. When it comes up on my playlist and my iTunes, I mean, I just immediately melt because it just reminds me of this amazing forgiveness that I have received. And it reminds me that if I can forgive it actually ends up being the sweetest thing, not just for the person who hurt me, for for my own soul and for the very glory of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate. This is not a singing song, okay? I want you to meditate on this song as it's sung for you. And do this, you guys. Who is it that you are struggling to forgive? Have that person in your mind while you listen to this song, ask God for grace, ask him for help, and just take some time and imagine their own hurt, their own brokenness, and their own sin, and identify with that. And then cancel their debt. And let's do that while we listen to this song. Let's just, you have your own worship moment with Jesus while we listen.